So, hey everyone, we're back with another episode for this in this season for the SaaS Sessions podcast. If you're tuning in for the first time, I'd personally love to welcome you to a listener base of 17,000 people. Yes, we recently crossed 17,000 listeners a month back and um, uh, thank you for everybody who's tuning in without all of you who's listening to the show. It wouldn't have happened. We wouldn't have hit this amazing milestone. So yeah, without further ado, let's uh, look into who we have today on the show. We have Girish, who was the co-founder of Recruiter Box, which was acquired by Turnover Capital in 2018. One company where if most of you would have applied for a role in any of the SaaS companies across the globe, you would have come across Recruiter Box. That's the applicant tracking system, like, you know, product out there, one of the best in, in the business. So after that success, so currently Girish is running Sprinto. Sprinto helps SaaS companies become InfoSec compliant. This is important for all the SaaS companies to unlock your sales deals and you know pass security reviews very easily without any hassle. So Girish, like such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, Sunil. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and congratulations on crossing 17,000 subscribers. Hey, thanks, thanks. I, I, I know we have been talking about doing this for a while and, you know, it's, it's so finally, you know, very happy to do it with you. So I gave a very short intro. I know since 2010, you have been running Recruiter Box and for, for eight years, you've been running like scale up a company, uh, a product, which is so beautifully built and, you know, had, had a great exit as well. And 2020, you started Sprinto, right? And, and there was like a two years gap. And I know we spoke it off the record we, uh, about the about the gap. And you had like a lot of ideas. And Sprinto was one amongst uh, in 10, 15 ideas that you folks had. So like, you know, would, would love you to elaborate on the eight-year journey in, in short, if you can. I know there are, there are like a lot of things that we can particularly talk about the eight-year journey and how you did the exit and stuff like that. But so yeah, can you, can you tell us more about yourself and your journey that we just, I just summarized? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, maybe I'll just tell, talk about my story. You know, I, if, if you had told me in college that I'm going to eventually do like a tech startup, I would have laughed. I, I don't think there was any way part of my plans. You know, I, 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 I graduated, I was doing, basically I had a couple of jobs, which was largely around data analytics. And which, which simply meant that I was wrangling large spreadsheets and data sets and PowerPoints. This is what, this is what my job was like before we started working on uh, Recruiter Box. Recruiter Box didn't immediately happen either. We actually, we spent like a couple of years building a ton of stuff that nobody wanted. So we wasted and wilded a lot of time there. But in the process, we actually taught ourselves programming. So mind you, we didn't really learn programming as much. And we were not computer science graduates and we never professionally programmed. So we had to teach the ourselves that, uh, which was a very useful skill going forward. But, you know, it, it meant that we we meandered along the lawn before we actually built something that people wanted. A recruiter Box was built in 2011. We had a third co-founder, Raj. We ran that. Uh, from 2011 through the end of 2017, early 2018, at which point it was acquired. Mm -hmm. uh, we grew Recruiter Box to more than 2,500 customers, most of who were in the US. I think about 70 to 80% of our customers were in the US, about 15 to 20% were in other English speaking parts of the world, and about 5% of our customers were in India. So we were a truly global product in some way, you know, mm -hmm. while most of the team was run out of India. So, so in, in, in basically 2018, when uh, 
Recruiter Box was acquired. We took a little bit of a break. Startups can tend to be fairly intense things, as we all know. And, you know, we were also uh, looking at other things that we could do as our next startup. And, and I think we have, we had about half a dozen ideas that we explored a little bit. Thankfully, we were a little less naive than we were in Recruiter Box, where we just dove in. So this time we did a bunch of interviews. We spoke to a ton of people trying to validate uh, which of these problems were real problems, etc. Sprinto kind of stood out, A, because it was one of the things that we faced ourselves at Recruiter Box. So, you know, as Recruiter Box, we were trying to take the company more and more up market. We had to become SOC 2 and ISO compliant. And this is one of those things where it falls into the laps of whoever manages product and engineering in the company, which was again, I and my co-founder at the time. So we got a front row seat to what these compliances mean, where they become painful, what the gotchas are, uh, burnt our hands with it. I wouldn't say it was a very pleasant experience. So we knew this is a high pain, high value problem because you need to do these compliances primarily in order to close enterprise deals, which is something that most SaaS companies would want to do, but it also becomes painful. So uh, of the other problems, you know, this somehow one got validated in a lot of interviews that we did as well. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's the long and the short of the thing. Like, you know, we started Recruiter Box, uh, sorry, we started Sprinto in early 2020 and uh, fast forward today, here we are. That, that's amazing. And, and, you know, uh, as you correctly said, right, like you're diving into this, uh, the second time or the second company, uh, Sprinto with, with a lot of experience, right. And like starting from the company from zero to having a great, great exit, right. So being a second time founder, what was like the one key learning that you brought from your time at Recruiter Box into Sprinto from day zero? I, I don't know if there's one key learning Overall, because some of these things start becoming like your muscle memory, you, you know, you mm. sort of just grow as a person and uh, you sort of inculcate those things. But I, if, if there's one thing that I at least personally try to always tell myself while we were beginning to do Sprinto, which I didn't have any clue about if I look back at the beginning of Recruiter Box, is that, you know, as engineers uh, or people who can actually build products, uh, it's very easy to get uh, excited by and married to the the solution and the product that you're building. And, and I think one of my biggest learnings from the entire recruiter box journey is to be, it, it's rather to be, it's rather better to be attached to the problem uh, and married to the problem than being married to the solution. And, and the two mm-hmm. things can mean very different things. Like, you know, when, when you're married to a solution, yeah. then you, you just hold that as the pivot and, and you're looking around with it. And your entire lens is is that. Whereas when you marry to a problem and, and then your solutions can keep changing and, and, you know, you could find different ways to attack it and so yeah. on and so forth. But that that's something that I consciously tell myself, uh, you know, to be a lot more focused to the problem space. Uh, and what is it that you're actually solving? How do you prospects or customers really look at it what are their pain points then be excited by the thing that you are building that's that's a way to solve that problem but that's not the end in itself and i know this sounds philosophical and you know maybe a little abstract but this is one of those things that i need to tell myself because you know the i tend to be one of those people left to myself if, if i have an idea the next thing i would want to do is just start coding and building it out that, yeah. that's my next immediate reaction and and mm-hmm. you know to sort of build a discipline that hey you should ideally first talk to people understand whether it's a real problem see if it's you know like a top three problem for them etc mm. requires a certain bit of discipline and that's something that i taught had to teach myself yeah i don't i don't think it's philosophical at all because i know in hindsight everybody would would agree to it right that 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 getting married to or getting attached to the problem is, is important and and not 
the like you know not getting attached to the solution itself or the product itself right so yeah i mean like a lot of first time founders who probably are listening to the show would like this would be like the their key learning for them right like they could take away right from 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 you so cool uh, again talking about sprinto and like you know the the compliance part right uh, i'm sure uh, selling to these 2500 customers in the recruiter box you might have yourself gone through a lot of security evaluations uh, and getting all the compliances for these not maybe not all of them but for definitely for the enterprise ones as you mentioned if you want to go up market you want to sell enterprise especially in the us europe you need to have compliances right so you know just just taking a very layman approach to to the entire problem that you are solving what are compliances right like many many <clears throat> founders do already know and many people already are aware of this but but you know how do you explain compliances to to somebody who's unaware of of them that's a great question actually i'm glad you asked that so fundamentally you know uh, I think Anderson Orowitz said that software is eating the world, and and mm-hmm. like anybody uh, who is in our space, we all know that SaaS is eating software. So, so the the simple world that we are living in is that you know SaaS software is replacing large swaths of software that's out there, and there's more and more SaaS software being built. Now, the thing to understand about SaaS software is that it the the fundamental premise of SaaS software is that my data is on your servers, right? And it is natural for me to want some assurance. that you are keeping this data safe and secure that data won't actually get lost or stolen or fall into the wrong hands when it's with you and that's the fundamental premise of saas software right if i I'm, i'm going to put my data on your service I, i need some assurance that you're keeping it safe and this is you know the the necessity of this is only increasing given the amount of security breaches that we hear about data getting leaked lost stolen and all of those kind of things that are happening so if if you really think about it in order for saas to grow what is also important that the this particular barrier you know that happens when when companies are sharing the data with you this needs to this friction needs to reduce and in the olden times if you looked at this about you know like a decade ago or uh, earlier than that the way companies would actually go about it is that they would actually audit each and every of the vendor so to about their security practices and, and you know to make sure that they are running the right security practices and this is obviously inefficient because i would have to do this for each and every of my vendor and each and every of my vendor would have to do it for each and every of their customers this just doesn't make sense so what What compliances are are no different than how SATs or GREs are. Right, instead of you applying and and doing these examinations separately with each school or college that you apply to, you do it with a trusted independent third party. So compliances like SOC two or ISO or any of these are these independent third parties that the world overall trusts. So you implement the security practices that you get yourself audited by these independent. trusted third party auditors and they tell you that hey you abide by this i'm giving you a report that says that you abide by these standards and you can now take that report and give it to your customers and and they can trust this report because it's generated not by you they're not taking your word for it they are actually taking the word of an independent third party and that's the whole premise of this business so it's it's nothing but you know like a like a certification of the fact that you are keeping your customers data safe and secure and they consequently can do business with you that's the simplest way to think about compliances that's that's really amazing and i i know it like becomes very important in 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 terms of enterprises when you're closing the deal right like you're talking to somebody and as you said like their data is going to be stored out uh, stored on our servers right or your server as a as a company so mm-hmm. like it it's mandatory for you to have these compliances right now once you have these compliances like registered right like what kind of compliances are are there available in the market and 
as a SaaS company, which ones you should go for? Because like there, there might be some standard ones, as you mentioned, the IS ones or getting GDPR compliant is a, a basic check that you have to do these days when, whenever you start a company or you start putting these pixels on, on your website and you start collecting data. But, you know, for, for particularly for enterprises, when you say these are the compliances, can you share any examples or any stories that you might have that, you know, while your time at recruiter box that you didn't have any compliances and, you know, you lost a deal or what were the consequences of that? Yeah. So, you know, uh, so first of all, you know, like if, if, if I have to simply answer what are the compliances that you need, un- the un- unfortunate thing over there, it's it's not a simple answer. Like it largely depends on the, the geography that you operate in, you know, where your customers are, the, the industry that your customers are in, uh, maybe even the customer segment that you might be dealing with. And, and there's a bunch of nuances over there. The, the the, the important thing to understand there is that there are some very standard security practices, like a foundational program that you could actually run. And SOC 2 and ISO 27001 are the most commonly asked foundational programs that you would see in the market. And, and the, the simple rule of thumb is that if you are looking at US as one of your primary markets, you're looking at North America as your primary market, you are sooner or later going to get asked for SOC 2. Uh, it's very hard to do business in that market without SOC 2. And if you are looking at Europe or you know, Asia Pacific as one of your markets, India, et cetera, then, then ISO 27001 starts becoming that, that, that thing. So, you know, these two frameworks have a lot of overlap in terms of the intent. They of course have different governing bodies and they have their own different rituals and so on and so forth. But, you know, in, in terms of the actual security practices that you would run, there's a fair bit of overlap, but the one you pick depends on the, the, the specific geo that you might be going after many SaaS companies, which are global SaaS companies, most SaaS companies tend to be global will, will typically do both sooner or later. The second thing that's important to understand is that the floor at which you get asked for compliances is always dropping. So, you know, about at the time when we were doing this at Recruiter Box and, and, you know, this was about five years ago when we first started looking at these things, this used to be asked for, you know, six figure deals and, and higher. So these are like, you know, like in, in extremely large deals and larger companies who are actually asking you for this. But since then, this, this floor has been dropping and dropping and dropping. And the reason that's happening is because these compliances are inherently a little transitive. What I mean by that is uh, there are some changes that have happened in these compliances, which fundamentally means that if you are SOC 2 compliant as a SaaS company, you need to make sure that your critical vendors are SOC 2 yeah. compliant, which means that mm. each of them need to make sure that their critical vendors are SOC 2 compliant. And this whole snowballing effect starts happening. Now, mm. what that really means is that, you know, it's it's likely that you're getting asked for, you know, SOC 2 compliances for much smaller size deals even today. And, and that I, I right. anticipate that, that floor to keep falling more and more. So the question really is not whether you need this anymore uh, as a SaaS company, you are sooner or later, you're going to need this. And, and the, the, the exact one that you need just depends on the, you know, the nature of your business, the geography you're operating, you're operating in Europe, you absolutely need GDPR. That's a law. That's not even like something that's optional for you. Uh, you know, you operate in Canada. Now you need people. California has CCPA. Every country yeah. is coming up with its own data privacy law. India is going to come up with its own. So these are increasingly going to happen. Makes sense. Yeah. And totally agree with, with the point, right? The floor keeps dropping and it's uh, like a snowball effect at Watfix. So we sell, we used to sell to enterprises and definitely we were ourselves soft to compliance and the GDPR compliance and ISO compliance and all of that. But whenever we used to, as you rightly said, right, whatever products that we are purchasing to like, you know, do marketing, like particularly I used to get involved in all the marketing products that we were procuring. So and we used to implement any marketing product. Now, even if they are a small company, as you said, like they're a small company selling to mid-market companies for 
them what fix is a bit market company right and so now yes. be- since we are selling to enterprises now because of that it's like a snowball effect which is passed on to them transit transitive effect that all these products like even though they are not selling up market or not selling at a price they we are asking them that you know hey this is a security question at that unit you know do we have soc 2 compliance report or are you iso certified and all of that right so it just it just at some point it, it's not only up market as you said every it will become mandatory at some point right and and that that's what i wanted to ask next right was this the particular reason right as you said software is eating the world saas is eating the software and because of the pandemic there's been a acceleration in in the kind of saas companies that have come up right and the number of saas companies that have come up that got funded and you know that that started doing like 20 million or 100 million revenue in like 20 months steel was one of one of them recently uh, hit 100 million arr so again is was this like the reason right like that you saw in the industry or this saw in the market right that the sprinto as an idea that got picked up in like half a dozen ideas that you mentioned you had right or what was the sto- like story behind or what is the exact reason uh, behind picking sprinto was it the industry was it uh, like every company focusing on implementing these software or like some internal factors or just the interview that that helped you guys I guess it was a combination of factors you know it it definitely helps that you know you're operating in a market that's that's growing and and we sort of you know for some of the other ideas for example we debated like my, my personal preference is to be rather be in a space that's growing fast than a space that's already large you know so so I I feel that spaces that are growing fast are the ones that allow for a lot more innovation and there is a lot of froth there and and you know that allows smaller companies to sort of navigate it and execute faster and and that's one of the things that's very interesting about saas and and you were you know you you're talking about marktech tools and and it just occurred to me that I, i was just reading this example somewhere where you know there is there is somebody who does like a roundup of all marketing tools and back in 2012 they did a lot of all the saas tools that exist around marketing and there were about 350 products and companies these that were there in, around that time and, and fast forward to 2022 they did a landscape of all the marketing tools around it and there are 8500 companies in in, in the marketing space itself so there is a yeah. there's a, just a ca- huge cambrian explosion of the number of saas companies that is happening and that and you know the, the the thing that is most interesting about saas is that it's growing fast uh, we all Ooh. know it's large but the more important thing it's growing fast in fact there is a report by battery ventures which says that saas is actually growing at an 18% cagr now that's massive growth like uh, anything that grows at an 18% cagr it means it doubles every 3 or 4 years yeah. that, that's massive right so it's it's always more interesting to be in that space so that was one of the factors and i think the the apart from the other uh, you know things that you absolutely want to nail which is you know it is a high order problem it's a high pain problem etc i guess it helped that we had a personal connect to the, mm. you know because we, we could actually think put ourselves in the shoes of the people who are going into that problem because we had been those people before in a in a recruiter box you know we 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 absolutely kept pushing the can ahead to avoid doing compliances it didn't something didn't seem like something that a technology company would want to do it just seemed like boring unsexy paperwork that didn't add any value in itself it's just some label that you need to get just so in order to close that deal uh, yeah. but we eventually had to do it so you know so we quite aware of the 
the, the emotions that people go through when they are purchasing this you, the reason you actually do it is that you you really feel hurt and pain that you have to let that enterprise deal go just because you don't have this compliance and you don't get a seat at the table where you know you could where you should ideally you know compete on the basis of the features of your product and the strength of your product but then all of these other kind of things that start mattering like hey are you compliant and they start looking at you as if you are a very small non worthy company because you don't actually have soc to or is or whatever that might be right so uh, we sort of deeply connected to the problem which was the another important point in order to pick it mm, makes sense yeah and as you like if anybody is wondering who uh, about the marktech landscape that is by scott brinker is that the one that you are referring to uh, the chief yes. marktech.com happy to include a link in the description for anybody who is looking that up but but yeah like great to know that you know a uh, lot of factors as you mentioned right like personal attachment or personal experience with the problem that you faced while at recruiter box and so being a part of a growing industry at that is growing at what 18% cagr and plus like you know this, this particular product and this particular process or you know system keeps becoming becoming more important and important and it is becoming more common as well right it's earlier it was just like you want to sell to enterprises you want to have these compliances but today like like the world has changed and even if you are not selling to enterprises you should have like it's become uh, synonymous to you know uh, a checklist item that when you start a company you should have like these compliances right depending on wherever you're selling across the globe but but yeah great to know great to know that so apart, apart from the compliances right are there any like you know like like for sprint or particularly that will help with compliance and uh, is there any uh, complementing services that you're planning to add in the future right like what's next for sprint it's just going is it just going to be compliance is the product completely built out yet i know it's just been 2 years but since since you already like research being a second time founder coming to the problem with uh, experience and you know like mo- more expertise in, into it and uh, like the industry is growing so much but uh, but how does printo help like currently it's helping with compliance but what's what's the future plan yeah that's a great question so uh, the way we look at this uh, internally at sprinto is that you, you know compliance is is an answer to a problem and the problem specifically that sprinto tries to solve is to help companies go over the the security review hurdle that actually happens whenever you're actually selling b2b software and and the, the growth of the company is going to be in more aspects of what's really involved in a security review so we already added a new thing to sprinto recently where we help you answer security questionnaires uh, so if, if anybody has gone through this journey of actually buying or sorry selling a b2b software you also know that over and above these compliances you get like these questionnaires and they run into hundreds and sometimes thousands yeah. of questions and it's not <laughs> fun to write them down uh, you know they are yeah. they are just they'll kill you uh, <laughs> i remember uh, sharing this uh, set of questions when i was purchasing a software at whatwix and our infosec uh, vp of infosec gave uh, uh, a sheet with exactly. uh, like what 100 150 125 something questions and we shared it with the team and they were such a small company as i said <laughs> and for <laughs> them it was like you know clueless and they they actually took like a week or two probably like more than that just to like answer those and get back to us at first they were like okay what is this uh, and why exactly. why are we supposed to answer but yeah i mean it, it's not much i after that moment i felt like you know getting compliances for companies is not as common as you know i i was thinking it is i mean yes it is it was common to all the companies that i have i was aware of but when i actually was the buyer 
of a software and somebody was selling me and when since we are compliant we need all the again product that we use to be compliant as well and when i shared i saw the documentation first like blown away like the, the kind of complexity it has crazy yeah and, and you know i would say that like 120 questions is, is relatively not that bad like the the the, the median number of questions that you usually get here is is easily above 500 and oh, that, that's the kind of questionnaires so i've personally Crazy. sat down and answered questionnaires which run into like 1500 questions and so on and so forth so, so they they can wow. become really really large they're not fun. Uh, they suck away all the joy <laughs> that is there in running a SaaS company. And, uh, you know, but this is part and parcel of actually selling software today. So so we actually uh, at Spinto have a service that helps you answer these questions. And, and what I'm trying to point out too is that there is a lot of moving pieces when it actually comes to the security review. There's the security question, there's these compliances. You sometimes actually have to still undergo an audit from your, from, from your partners or your stakeholders. So if you're working with a bank, for example, they actually conduct audits and, and these happen over asynchronously or over over zoom nowadays but that those still are pretty you know they're pretty demanding and there are uh, things that we are doing in order to potentially help you do that we can help you uh, you know pay paint a public security posture using which you know at least for your smaller deals you don't have to do bespoke work or show a compliances but you could actually you know market your security posture immediately and, and there's a bunch of work that can happen in this space but you know the, the the way i look at this is and this goes back to what i was saying about getting married to the problem than the solution mm-hmm. compliances is a way of solving the problem and the problem you're really trying to solve is to create some assurance around the security practices that you have and that takes various forms it could be security oh. questionnaires it could be portraying like your security posture on your website to being more transparent about what your security practices are and so on and so forth and, and our end goal the way we look at it our mission of the company is to become the trust currency for all cloud commerce right so mm. so this is the thing that compliances or questionnaires or anything else solves they, they are about building trust around the fact that your data is going to be safe and we want to tackle all the problems that fall into that now that means a bunch of things you know, I, I don't think compliances themselves are a completely solved problem here the breadth of compliances uh, that we cater to is increasing. We already cover about 15 compliances, which is the broadest group about from anybody in the industry. So, and, and that's important because every SaaS company today is a global SaaS company. And, you know, the, the number of compliances that you need to adhere to is only going to increase. Every country is right. coming up with its own privacy laws. You know, you, you have, I was just talking about this earlier. Europe has GDPR. UK has its own version of GDPR. There's UK GDPR. There's Canada uh, <laughs> in Canada. There's CCPA in uh, California. Three or four more states within the next year in the US are going to have their own privacy laws. India is going to come up with its own privacy law. And the, 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 the number of compliances that you have to adhere to is itself going to keep on expanding. And, and Spinto is going to cover them all. And, and we have a very unique way of covering them all, which means that you don't necessarily have to do extra work uh, or zero to one work for each and every new. We actually implement a core security and a privacy program, which you can reuse uh, when you're doing more compliances. Right? And that makes your life a lot easier. So just stepping a couple of steps back, what I'm trying to get to is that the, the way we look at this, our job is to help you get over the security review and, and whatever is involved in that is our problem. That's a problem. That's a customer's problem and consequently it's our problem. So, so the way we look at it is our, our job is to help you with any of those things. Got it. Very, very interesting uh, take on that. And I also, I was just browsing the uh, experimental website as well. And also like I should have on this slide and start but yeah congratulations on the on the series a and while i was reading the article on on the website for that you did mention a very interesting uh, phrase right like which is compliance led growth 
right so from whatever we discussed i do know that compliance can be a very passive thing that when it's asked we we do work on it right like uh, we have to do all these testing of your software and you know you have to produce these reports right it's it's mostly active only when the the ones you get the report and it's done right that's that's there mm-hmm. but as you mentioned if you're working with certain kind of uh, industries or certain kind of companies like banks for example there are like uh, continuous checks that might happen which might happen any uh, any time of the month any time of the quarter any time of the year and you have to be prepared right and those those are the cases where where you know the, these compliances might you know become more active right like in instead of being passive or that is one way and secondly for for many sales people when when the deal is like like way through the stages they have liked product and now they now you know as a sales person that you know it's hey I, i should probably bring compliance on my side right like it should play like an active role in closing the deal and and not only like a passive role that yeah okay when if they ask for compliance or when they ask for compliance i'll i'll probably bring the certificates up and i'll share it with them so again like it was was the compliance led growth phrase particularly uh, uh, an indication towards making compliances more active from a passive state as they are today was was that the case when like you know this this phrase came came to your mind yeah yeah so you bring up a very important point that you know conventionally historically compliance is used as a defensive tactic right if you ask it i have it and and consequently i somehow climb over that barrier that 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 is uh, you know a security review but i'm increasingly seeing some of the good sales companies or companies who do this really well use mm-hmm. compliance as an part of their sales strategy so they actually lead with compliances they actually go up front the second slide in the deck would be that hey by the way we are backed by so and so and we are compliant by these frameworks and we we take security seriously and the idea that you're trying to paint over there is that this is not an afterthought for us you know we take your data seriously this is something that we put front and center into our uh, in the way we actually build out our products and, and this is something that's important for us right so so right. instead of it becoming like a checkbox that's something that you say yes i have it when when being asked for it you actually lead with it you you paint that confidence and and you actually start looking a lot more formidable and this is extremely important especially for smaller startups who are trying to grow as of now where you know you get all of these proxy questions you know how large are you how long yeah. have you been around and and so on and so forth these are all proxies for them trying to find out are you serious uh, are you going to be around tomorrow are you are you going to run away just just what what i have and and stuff like that and compliances and and your your security measures are like a great way of countering that upfront rather than you know just keeping it in the bag in case you get asked for those things so we definitely recommend a lot of our customers to actually uh, you know put it front and center talk about it on their website be transparent about it and and actually make it a part of their sales game and and this is increasingly important as you go out because even if you are not doing it your competition is doing it's important to get ahead of them at that point of it totally totally so very very interesting take and you know very interesting phrase as well right compliance led growth i mean you have seen product led growth and uh, and and product led sales and and what event led growth very recently <laughs> but uh, you know this is like a first one compliance led growth and definitely getting you know more active on the compliance side rather than just being passive right it will be even more active as it is today in in the coming years for sure So I think we have reached the course for for this episode, and you know, I let's let's move on to the lightning round, uh, where I'm going to put you on the spot for three questions, where where you have to answer with whatever's on top of your mind, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. So yeah, so the first one, what's the one thing that has helped you shorten your learning curve? Um, I've learned to read faster. 
amazing okay okay ready second one like uh, what do you know about your work now that you wish you would have known when you first started i don't know i i guess it would be that you know to get anything right the, the amount of repetitive tedious disciplined work that's required as against like a brain wave the the the, um, the fractions are completely inverted in my head I, i think if you had asked me back in college and when i started working I, i used to feel that it was more about you know getting that inspiration that brain wave that idea and those kind of things and and I, it it's completely opposite in my head now that's that's a very small part of you know getting something right yeah execution more more focus on the execution <laughs> yes yeah it's always the case and and the last one right who is someone that inspires you and why that's a tough one <laughs> <laughs> i know there are many people for uh, like always there are like this there cannot be one but if you want to name uh, like anyone i guess it's my dad you know i i think what i find most inspiring about him is that he's he's always been a very curious person and that's one of the things that's probably rubbed off of me and with even you know not too many uh, things at his disposal he he had this natural curiosity around everything that's around him and a sense of wonder around the things that were around him and and he had a much harder life than i did financially and otherwise but the, the way he would still sort of keep that flame alive to to have that kind of curiosity uh, and wonder and and this thing about finding things out is something that is it's always stayed with me so so that's something that i often i admire that that quality a lot so so that's that's very inspiring for me That's that's really amazing, Girish. To be honest, this is the like the ninety third episode I'm recording, and in all the previous ninety two episodes, none of the people have mentioned their family. So <laughs> this is like the first one, like where you mentioned your dad and you know some somebody from your family uh, that that inspires you. I mean, like our inspirations is there, like you know, right from the like when we were kids and when we were young, and they're just all around us, and not only from the SaaS industry, particularly or from the tech or startup world. but anyway this is this is really great and you know great to know that your father is the inspiration for you and i think it's been there since the start <laughs> so yeah amazing amazing so yeah th- thanks a lot girish for taking time and doing this i mean i really appreciate it and you know a uh, lot of lot of insights i mean taking compliances from like explaining it to a layman like me <laughs> who doesn't understand it like it it's personally a huge huge learning to understand the consequences particularly on what happens if you don't have those right that is like the number one thing uh, that i would focus on if if ever i start my company <laughs> thank you so much awesome. i really enjoyed being here